Once more, we turn to Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, and today we look at chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Some people think the Bible is impractical and irrelevant, which tells me they don't know much about the Bible. What does the Bible say about parents and children? Much. Old Testament, New Testament, especially the book of Proverbs that we read just a little while ago. And this morning, <clears throat> we're going to concentrate on Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, where God nails it, just the main thing that parents and children need to do. Verse 1, <clears throat> children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be dwell with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is the second of three relationships that God addresses. First, we looked at husbands and wives. This is the second. Next week, God willing, we'll look at what it says about employers and employees. Each time I call your attention to this succinct command that God gives here, what I call the prime directive, the center of gravity, that the relationships have to keep getting back to. And then Paul uses the illustration, wives submit to your husbands, just like the church. Christians submit to Christ, who is our spiritual husband, and that he loves us, and then he gives advice to husbands. Love your wives. The prime directive. Here, he doesn't say, children obey like the wife obeys the husband, but rather like Christians obey our heavenly Father. And yet, Christ as husband and God the Father as husband are perfect, but we are not perfect, either as wives, husbands, parents, or children. We need God's help. Now, the order is he's already addressed husbands and wives, and he builds upon that by saying, now, if God has given you children, here's how parents are to relate to their children and children to their parents. And in all these relationships, you'll notice there's a hierarchy of authority. Husbands over the wives, parents over the children, and then lastly, employers over their workers. And it's balanced by a loving leadership by the husbands, by the parents, and the employers. So today we concentrate first on the children, verses 1 to 3, and then to the parents. And there are lessons here for even you teenagers that are children, but you one day, God willing, you may be husbands and wives and parents. He begins by addressing children, whether they're the only child or one amongst many, even if they are adopted or they're carried over from a previous marriage where now you're the stepchildren. And the prime directive is very simple. Three words, obey your parents. That's the general rule that God gives to all children. And he also tells us why, because sometimes 
Children want to know, why should I do this? Look what it says here. For this is right. God says so, and he's always right. And I will add this, it's always the best. These are not cruel commandments. It's for your good to obey your parents. It's good for you. If a family is having major problems with their children, there may be blame for the parents or for the children or for both of them. It's because either or both is not doing what the Bible says. God's way works, always works. So if there's problems in your family, get back to what God says to the children and to the parents. And it always works and brings blessings. Now look at the operative verb, obey your parents. And it's an interesting word in the original Greek that God inspired. It literally means to hear under because you are under the authority of your parents. You are to hear and to obey. Just like in these other relationships with husbands and wives, there's rank. Like in the military, you, of course, you start with the privates in the army and you work up to the sergeants, lieutenants, and so forth. It's like that in the family. The father over the mother and the parents over the children. The children need to realize the family is not a democracy. You're not to put everything to a vote. Imagine if you put everything to a vote. I'll tell you what'll happen. At mealtime, you'll have ice cream at every meal and no meat and vegetables and certainly no spinach. It's not a democracy. The parents make the decisions and the burden is especially upon the father. The children are to obey them. Parents have that authority from God to tell their children what to do and what not to do. And children would be well advised to listen and obey. Not just to avoid a spanking, but to realize this is for my good. Let me give you this. It's not even in my notes. Your parents have been along the road of life a lot longer than you. They've learned some lessons the hard way. You can learn from their mistakes. and that They might say, I made the mistake when I was young. Please don't, don't imitate that. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Listen to them. Parents have that authority to tell you what to do and what not to do. It's like what God says back in the Pentateuch, the books of Moses. Often he gives all these laws and then says, I am the Lord. As if he says, I'm telling you what to do. And the Jews would say, why should I do this? And God says, because I'm the Lord. That's how the Ten Commandments started. I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery. Why should you obey me? Because I'm God. And because I've done good for you, follow me and obey me. Sometimes parents phrase it in a different way. For example, when I was a little boy, yes, I once was a little boy. And I had to obey my parents. Back then, I had a full head of hair, too. But I had to learn to obey. And sometimes my mother would give me a command, Kurt, go do this, go clean, go take out the garbage. And I'd say, why? And she'd say, because I'm your mother and I say so. You ever see that, that apron? She who must be obeyed. Yes, mama, I'll take out the garbage. And my father would help me. She'd say, I'm your mother and I say so. But it'd be even better to say, you obey because God says so. Kurt, God says, obey your parents and I'm your mother. You parents need to be like that. Or sometimes you can say, if you love me, 
Obey me. Didn't Jesus say, if you love me, keep my commandments? He has that authority and he calls upon us, if you love me, do what I say. Let me give you an illustration. Years ago, I knew a Jewish preacher in Brooklyn. I don't know if you've ever been to Brooklyn. Very Jewish. And uh, he told an illustration of what I'm saying this morning. He said, in Brooklyn, there are two major groups. There are the Italians and there are the Jews. And it comes out at mealtime. Let's look at the Italian family. Mama has cooked a big pot of homemade soup and ladles it out to everybody in the family and says, eat up. And one of the boys, little Tony, doesn't want to eat it up. He says, I'm sick of this same old soup every day. I don't want to eat it. So what does the Italian mother do? She gets out the soup spoon and threatens him. He says, if you don't eat of that soup, I'm going to hit you over the head with this spoon. And you'll be sorry. Tony, eat the soup. And Tony's afraid, so he eats the soup. Oh, but down the street of the Rosenbergs, the Jewish family, and Mrs. Rosenberg cooks a big pot of chicken soup and serves it out, and one of the little boys says, I don't want to eat it. I don't want to eat this soup. How does Mrs. Rosenberg respond? You don't love me. You don't want to eat. I've been laboring for over all day long over this soup just to please you. You don't love me. Oh, you break my heart. Calls out to her husband, phone the newspaper, big news. Mrs. Rosenberg's boy doesn't love his mother and won't eat the soup. Oh, my heart, and you're killing me. The boy starts crying, no, Baba, don't die. I love you. I'll eat the soup. I'll have two bowls of soup. And the preacher paused and said, in Brooklyn, Jewish boys are fatter than Italian boys. They eat more soup because they love their mother. Now you see the point. Sometimes parents have to say, do this or you'll be spanked. But it's better to appeal to their heart and say, if you love me like I love you, you'll do what I say. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love your parents? Then do what they say. Now, it says here, obey, and that's the positive. Do what they tell you to do. And the negative is, don't do what they tell you not to do. And it works both ways. But as everybody here, both the children and the adults know, it's not always easy. It doesn't always seem reasonable. Children, your parents were once children too. They had to learn how to obey their parents, who were your grandparents. Wasn't always easy, and we remember. Sometimes we forget. And we're either too overbearing or too lax with our children. Don't forget what it was like when you were a child. Obedience here is commanded. Notice, obey your parents. It's not advice. It's an order. And that means obeying is good. Disobeying is a sin against God. Obedience is very important. It's in the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? Number five of the Ten Commandments is honor your father and your mother, which Paul goes on to quote here. It's a command. And the Bible also gives us many examples, both good and bad. For example, look at Isaac. You know this story where God had said, go and sacrifice your son on top of the mountain, and Abraham obeyed. Think of Isaac. When Abraham tied him up and was about to sacrifice him, he submitted. 
He obeyed. He trusted his father. And it wasn't easy. And there are many other examples, but of course, what would be the best example? Best example of everything good and godly is Jesus. Luke chapter 2, it says very explicitly, he was in submission to Mary and Joseph. Although Joseph wasn't his biological father, he was the adoptive father, he was in submission, he honored both of them. And you might say, well, I'm not Jesus. No, but he can help you obey your parents. Now, that's good examples. What about bad ones? How about Cain, who killed his brother? And certainly that's disobeying his parents. Absalom disobeyed his father David. Jacob lied to his father Isaac. And there are many others. And unfortunately, the bad examples are glorified on television and in movies and on the internet. It's cool to make fun of the old man and to disobey your mother. It's wrong. God says, obey your parents, for this is right. Obey them. Now, parents don't have absolute authority. Only God has absolute authority. So there are limits on this. So children... If your parents tell you to do something that's within that circle that God has given, obey them. Take out the garbage, mow the lawn, do your homework. But if they command something outside that circle, such as saying lie or cheat or steal, you have to disobey them in order to obey God. You see, you put God first. Jesus said, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Parents, know where God draws the line on that circle. Because if you tell your children to do something wrong, you'll have to answer to God. He's the one that always has to be obeyed. Now what about situations that are not mentioned in the Bible? Remember when I was a lad of about 12 years old, my dad would say, son, it's time to mow the lawn. I didn't like mowing the lawn. I guess some people do and down in Texas, and I grew up in New Orleans, but in Texas, mowing the lawn isn't punishment. It's a privilege to ride on that. But I didn't like mowing the lawn, and I tried to make some sort of excuse. Well, God doesn't say you have to mow the lawn. He says, no, but it does say obey your father. So I mowed the lawn. The Bible doesn't address it. There are situations that are not directly mentioned, but the general rule is obey them. But parents cannot say, well, I know this is wrong, but I'll take the responsibility for this. Nor can children say, well, I'll do wrong because I'm supposed to obey the parents. You obey God first, and then your parents. Obey willingly, not grudgingly, like that Italian boy that said, I'll eat it, but I don't have to like it. And don't say, well, I'll obey grudgingly, but boy, I can't wait until I grow up and get out of this house and I don't have to obey my parents. Give you an illustration. Like the prodigal son. As soon as he grew up, he wanted to leave home. Heard a story about a boy that I think was 18 and his sister was 17 and the parents were telling him what to do and they just did not want to obey their parents. And so a friend said to the boy, you don't like obeying? Well, what are you going to do? You're about to leave home. Are you going to go to college? No. You got a job? Got any skills? No. Well, what are you going to do? I'm sick and tired of hearing orders all day long. I'm going to leave home. I'm going to join the army. And their friend said, you don't like orders? No. You're going to join the army? Son, 
its orders all day long. That's the number one rule. You're going to learn, and by the way, it'd be good for you to join the army, and you'll make you a man when you learn how to obey. So then he turns to the girl and says, what about you? I can't wait to get out of this house. My mom's always telling me well, what she's telling you to do. Every day she says, clean your room, vacuum, make the bed, clean up the bathroom. I'm sick and tired of that. Well, what are you going to do when you leave home? College? No. Army? No, not the army. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to get a job as a maid down at the local motel. You don't like cleaning rooms? You don't like vacuuming, making beds? You're going to be doing that all day long. My point is, some children don't think it through. Learn how to obey because, I'll give you another clue, you'll have to do it when you leave home, when you go to work, you join the army, whatever, Life is filled with responsibility. You have to obey those above you. So learn early to obey your parents. Now what if you are, it's an unusual situation, what if your parents punish you unfairly for something you didn't do? I still remember Halloween 1967, I got punished for something my sister did I was the one the police picked up and brought downtown. I never got over that. <laughs> I still remember it. Some of you children know what it's like. You're punished for something your brother or sister did. And you say, that's not fair. Let me give you advice how to handle that. Think of times you misbehaved and you didn't get punished. Take the punishment you didn't deserve and apply it to the one you did deserve, and it has a way of evening out. Your parents are not perfect. They may punish you unfairly. Pray for them. Now, what if one or both parents are unbelievers, or if they're both believers? Take special wisdom. Also, if you have a stepfather or a stepmother, because maybe your parents have been divorced, those are unusual cases. What if it doesn't seem reasonable? Do it anyway. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus said to Peter, have you caught any fish? And Peter says, I haven't. And so he's, Jesus said, well, cast your net over there. And Peter could have said, I've been, I'm a fisherman. You're going to tell me how to catch fish? But Peter said, Lord, we haven't caught fish all night long, but I'll obey you and I'll do it anyway. It didn't seem reasonable. Guess what? Caught all the fish in the Sea of Galilee. There's a time when children may have to say, it doesn't seem reasonable, but it's not sinful. Obey them anyway, and you'll be glad you did. You see, God blesses obedience, but he also punishes disobedience one way or the other. And sometimes children that learn to be disobedient to their parents early in life, and it gets worse and worse, and it becomes rebellion and violence, it's a short road to big-time trouble. I'll give you two illustrations. When I was in seminary, the pastor and I had to speak with a man whose son was getting very wild and doing all sorts of things, stealing things and lying, and the father says, I can't control him. That son, you're not going to believe this, at age 13, stole, he hijacked a city bus got in the driver's seat and started going down the street, banging into cars, causing thousands of dollars of damage. And I said, Eddie, you better teach your son 
because next time it's not going to be a bus. He's going to be Grand Theft Auto. It's going to be joining a gang, getting a gun. Guess what? The son did end up going to prison by age 18. And I faced others. Several prison inmates that write to me said they started early stealing something, stealing a bicycle, stealing a car, robbing a bank. You see, it needs to be curtailed early. Parents, teach your children to obey you and to respect the law. Children learn how to obey and appreciate your parents. Learn how to say thank you to them and look up to them. They're your best role models. Let me give you another illustration from one of my all-time favorite Western movies from the early 60s. Anybody remember The Magnificent Seven? Not the remake, the original. All those seven gunslingers were real men, gutsy, macho, you know, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, Yul Brenner, and the rest of them. And they were hired to go down to this poor Mexican village to protect them from the banditos that would come in and rob them blind every year. So they went down there and, oh, all the little boys love these gunslingers. Oh, I want to be like you, man. You're a macho. You're a real man. And I remember the scene when a bunch of the boys gathered around the character played by Charles Bronson, real tough man, gunslinger. And the boys said, oh, we like you. We want to grow up and be like you, not like our fathers. Our fathers, they're cowards. Charles Bronson grabbed that boy, threw him over his knee, and spanked him real hard and said, don't you ever say that. Your fathers are not cowards. They work hard every day in the hot sun to provide food and clothing and a house for you and your mother. They're poor, but they, do, they don't do it because they have to. They do it because they love you. He said, that's real courage. And then he said, I have never had that kind of courage. That's very profound. People, especially kids, look up to the athletes, the movie stars, the famous singers. Those are not good role models. If you learn what they're like off stage and when they're not on the field, they don't live good lifestyles. They have broken families and worse. Your parents are your real heroes. Thank them. Appreciate them. Imitate your father and your mother and tell them thank you. Imitate them. Yes, they're imperfect. Learn how to forgive them as well. Now look back at the verses here. Verse 2. He quotes the Old Testament. In fact, he quotes the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. That's in the Ten Commandments. That tells you how important this is. It made God's top ten. word honor there means respect them. Show reverence for them. Leviticus 19.3 says, Every one of you shall reverence his father and his mother. Now, I'm a very old-fashioned man. As you know, I try to be biblical, but I'm very old-fashioned. I still think children ought to say, Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. To their parents. I bet you parents are saying, preach it, preach it. That's one way of expressing respect. And don't say the old man or the old lady. 
not your, not your father and not your mother. For example, we mentioned earlier in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says wives are to respect their husbands and gives the illustration of Sarah who even called her husband my Lord Abraham. I bet Isaac also said my father, my Lord Abraham, my father. Show respect for them, not disrespect. Also thank them for giving you life, food, clothing, toys, a house. Your parents cared for you when you were a helpless little baby. They changed your diapers. They took you to the doctor. When you were crying at night, they came in and comforted you. Never forget that. And the time will come you can say thank you by caring for them in their old age. It says here to honor them. Let me give you some biblical examples of dishonoring. Micah 7, 6 says, do not show contempt for them. Proverbs 30, 17, do not mock them. Do not despise them, like Jacob to Isaac, lying to them. Do not curse them. Exodus 21, 17. You know, I remember in this church many, many years ago, I heard a son curse his father with a very bad word, and I took that boy aside and I said, did you know if you'd lived in Old Testament Israel, you could have been executed for that? Because the Bible says, whoever curses his father or mother, let him be stoned. I said, you ought to be glad that you're not living as a Jew 3,000 years ago. Didn't matter anything to this boy. Proverbs 19.26 says, do not strike your parents. Proverbs 28, 24, do not steal from them. How would children steal from their parents? Sometimes when the parents aren't there, the boy finds out where dad leaves his loose change and just takes a couple of quarters. You won't miss them. Or the girl finds mama's purse when mama's not there and just takes a little money. Mama didn't see it. God sees when children steal from their parents. Thou shalt not steal. Honor your father and your mother. And there are many other good and bad examples in the Bible. Proverbs 10.1 says, Disobedient and disrespectful children grieve their parents. Cause them to weep at night when the children don't see it. And that mother goes to the husband and saying, Our child is very disrespectful. A disobedient child causes the parents to weep. Think of the prodigal son's father when that prodigal son says, give me my inheritance. I can't wait for you to die, dad. Give it to me now. That broke that old man's heart. But the father still loved the child. But he was grieved. I have actually heard with my own ears two grown men, grown men, say to their fathers, I hate you. I wish you were dead. <clears throat> May it never be in this church. God hears that. God even hears what we feel in our hearts. Instead, love your parents and tell them and mean it and prove it. By the way, you'll notice it says, obey your parents, honor your father and your mother. In other words, both of them. Don't play favorites and go to one and play it off against the other. Now, sometimes there's problems such as when the parents disagree or when the parents have been divorced, how do you obey which one? 
and so forth. Yeah, there are awkward cases where you need special wisdom. But as a general rule, obey your parents. But here's where the problem is. No child is perfect like Jesus. A sociologist did a study on this once and says there's a general pattern. It's a pattern. There's exceptions. But generally, in the tough teenage years, the boy rebels against the father and the girl against the mother. There are exceptions, but they need to realize this. Obey your parents and honor your father and your mother. Now, notice the promise that's attached. Verse 2. This is the first commandment with a promise. What promise? That if you do honor them and obey them, verse 3, it will be well with you. And you will live long on the earth. In other words, it's good for you to obey them and to honor them. God blesses obedience. And he may even lengthen your life. But this also is speaking about, you might call it the family chain. Grandparents, parents, children. And those children grow up and they become parents and they have grandchildren. And something seems to carry on generation to generation. If you obey your parents, you're learning the value of obedience. You will be a good parent to teach your children about obedience. Continue on with that chain. Someone might say, how long? Is there a statute of limitations like when they turn 18 and leave or maybe when they get married? I'm persuaded that children are to obey their parents until they get married and then they are no longer under their parents' authority. Earlier in the the previous chapter, it says, when you get married, you leave your father and your mother, you start a new family unit. But even when you're no longer under their authority because you're married, you should still respect them and honor them, get their advice, and continue to love them. Have I touched anybody's conscience here today? Any children? Maybe you're thinking of something you've said or done that you shouldn't have done with your parents. Many years ago, I remember go visit a girl named Janet, and she was a Christian, and I was a new Christian as well. But I remember going up to her house back in New Orleans, and there she was sitting outside just grinding her teeth, and she was mad. And I said, Janet, what's happening? She said, I had another blowout with my mother. My mother's so overbearing, and she's this, and I'm embarrassed for my friends to see her. She wears that raggedy old dress, and she tells me, and she went on and on. My mother, my mother, oh, and she's just angry like this. So I just calmly said, you know, Janet, what if I came over here today and your mother wasn't at home? And I said, Janet, I've got some very sad news for you. I've just come from the hospital. Your mother was in a very bad accident. Janet, your mother just died. I said, Janet, how would you react if I told you that? Friends, it was as if I slapped her in the face. Total change. She said, Mama would one day die. I said, Janet, how would you feel? And she started crying like a little girl. I love my mama. I really do. And I said, go and, t- go and apologize. She got up and ran into the house. And I could hear her saying, Mama, Mama, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Mama, I do love you. They were reconciled. Oh, yeah, it wasn't perfect after that, but they had turned the corner. Children, perhaps, 
when you go home today, maybe there's something you need to apologize to your parents for. Don't put it off. Get right with them. It'll be good for you. Some of the best advice ever given to me was the Saturday after the Wednesday I became a Christian when I was 20 years old and I had a very rebellious teenage life and I won't give you the examples. But I got saved and I wanted to obey God and I went to this Bible study and there's a Christian that was about 30 years old to me, looked like, you know, Methuselah, very mature. And he said, you just got saved. I said, yeah, and I want to follow Jesus. Do you have any advice? He says, yes, young man. Get right with your parents as soon as possible. Apologize to them. Get under their authority and obey them. You will never regret it. The next day, I did just that. Sat down with my parents and I said, I've not been a good son and I'm so sorry. I think I had tears. And I said, I've done this and that that they didn't know about. And I said, please forgive me. I'm a Christian now and I want to obey you and honor you. And we all hugged and I'll never forget doing that. I'll never regret that. And I thank God for that preacher that told me that. I will tell that to you children. Get right with your parents. Don't disobey. Live with them and love them. But there's a sad side of this kind of story. Some children grow up and they don't. They're estranged from their parents. Sad to say, at funerals that I've conducted, I've seen grown men come to the open coffin of their mother weeping and saying, Mama, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I never apologized. And they realize Mama can't forgive them. Mama's gone. Get right with your parents while you can. They love you. Let's move on to verse 4 now, the parents. And here's, I guess, where I'm going to take turns stepping on some parents' toes. But it's for your good. Notice it says fathers, because he is the head of the household, just like it says in chapter 5, wives submit to your husbands as the head, like Christ is the head of the church. But this also applies to mothers. Just read the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, addressing obey your father, learn from your mother. That's why some have paraphrased this as parents do this. And they should do it together. This would also apply to single mothers, sometimes even single fathers, because the mother has gone, either in divorce, desertion, or even death. The father is the head, but he is not the tyrant. Fathers, God doesn't give you un unregulated authority you are under God's authority and if you misuse it you'll have to answer to him don't overdo it some parents are too strict and that teaches the children to rebel they'll rebel against it or if they're too lax that's giving them a license you have to have the wisdom to know how to balance authority and compassion notice it says fathers do not provoke your children to wrath that means don't cause them to be angry, to be bitter, and to resent you. To provoke means to cause someone to get angry. You've seen how they will provoke someone to start a fight. Don't provoke your children. Be fair with them. Explain 
why you told them to do something and explain why they need to be punished. Don't provoke them. Two men were sitting around a campfire after hunting all day long and one asked the other one's advice and said, you know, my teenage son is becoming very rebellious. And he said, you used to be rebellious as a teenager. What provoked you the most from your parents? And the other man said, when my father was not consistent, if he told me to do something that he wouldn't do, if he said, don't do this, nobody would ever, and then he wouldn't do that, I'd think hypocrite. And that just made me angry. There's a lesson, you fathers, don't provoke them. Be consistent. If you say, I'm going to punish you, punish them. Don't make an idle threat. Explain things. Be absolutely fair and don't be hypocritical. Again, here's a list of bad examples. King Saul cursed his son and mocked him and even threatened violence. That's in 1 Samuel 20. Parents will sometimes not just spank, but they will beat their children, taking it out on them. Or they'll make fun of them or discourage them. Parents will sometimes say, you'll never amount to anything. You're no good. Don't ever say that. Encourage them. Or some parents don't apologize even when that child knows the parent was in the wrong. Parents, learn how to apologize to your children and say, forgive mommy, forgive daddy, we were wrong. That's humility, and you're teaching them how to apologize, but some don't. Or how about parents that don't comfort their children when they're hurting? They see that boy that's had his first broken heart and is about to cry, and the father says, men don't cry. Yes, men do cry. Learn how to comfort them, both the mother and the father. Parents should not show favoritism. Love them all. Don't be like Isaac who preferred his son Esau and Rebekah preferred the son Jacob. And look what happened with that rivalry. Or even abusing the children and worst of all, sexual abuse. Or ignoring them, not spending time with them, not listening to them. These are all bad examples. Think of the good examples instead. Now the parallel to this verse is Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they be discouraged. Sometimes a child feels like a whipped dog. I can never please my parents. Their standards are way too high. And they get discouraged. I just give up. Fathers, don't do that to them. Encourage them. Go Get alongside of them. Some of you will remember that great scene that brings tears to my eyes here is the Olympics sometime in the early 1990s and there is this long distance race and on the last lap one of the men got a Charlie horse. If you ever had a Charlie horse it hurts like a knife and this athlete fell to the ground screaming on live television he was just in great pain and a man in the stands jumped out and ran over there and picked him up and says come on son we'll finish the race together and the crowd went wild. That was a loving father that encouraged his son. Your fathers need to do that. Encourage them, help them in their weaknesses and tell them over and over again, you love them. Don't follow the bad examples. Be a good example to them. Hebrews 12 says you can show your love by chastening them like God chastens us. Not too much, not too little, and always reinforce it with love. 
And don't do it in anger. Don't take it out. Maybe you've had a bad day at work. Don't take it out on your son or your daughter. Leave it outside. Chill before you come home if you're angry. But there does come a time you need to chasten them and learn how to chasten them in different ways. Heard a story about a boy that had gotten very rebellious and disobeyed the father, and the father said, son, don't ever do that again. The son went and did it again. And so the father said, son, I'm telling you now, don't do it again, because if you do it again, I find out you're not, doing some, not, you're not just doing something wrong. This is direct disobedience to me. And if I catch you, I am going to punish you in a way you will never forget. Very soon, the son went ahead and did it, and the father found out, and the father said, okay, son, get on your hands and knees. That boy was trembling, and the father reached for his belt. That son was really afraid, thinking, oh, I know I'm, I know I'm guilty. I'm really going to catch it. And the father just reached down, pulled up a little weed right across the back of the son's head and said, son, don't ever do that thing again. And the son said, I won't, daddy. And he never did. He took a big step toward becoming a man and the father knew just how to discipline in the right way. You fathers learn how to do it. In the right way and in the loving way. Don't overdo it. Now there are positive ways a father can bring up the children. For example, 2 Corinthians 12, 14 says parents are to lay up an inheritance. And that's not just financial. It's giving them a good example. Bless them like Genesis 27, 4. Not only pray with them, but play with them. Some of my fondest childhood memories are my dad and I and my mom getting on our hands and he's playing marbles and playing Scrabble and playing Monopoly. You play with your children, play games with them. Laugh with them. Show love. Give them a hug and be a very good role model. Teach them the Bible. Notice it says here, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. That means teach them the Bible. Do you fathers lead them in daily devotions, Bible study, and prayer? Do you bring them to church every Sunday? But also teach them life lessons, practical things. Fathers, teach your little boys just how to change the battery in a flashlight. Teach your teenage son how to fill up the car with gas or to change a flat tire, how to drive a car. Mothers, teach your daughters how to cook, clean, sew. Just practical things and be very patient with them. They'll make mistakes. Teach them common sense. And teach them the wisdom of learning from your mistakes in the past so they don't have to repeat them. Parents, teach your children what God says about sex. Fathers, teach your boys. Mothers, teach your girls. Start early at the right level. Otherwise, they may learn from someone else in the wrong way. Men, teach your boys what it means to be a real man, a gentleman that shows respect and politeness to women. I know that's culturally incorrect, but it's God's way. Mothers, teach your daughters how to be a woman, how to be a lady, a woman of God. And it should be understood. Many years ago, I was up late night, and I happened to turn on television, and there was old Johnny Carson, and he was interviewing 
Anybody remember Burt Reynolds? Boy, you talk about a man's man. Top grossing star, 1970s, 80s, into the 90s. Boy, the women liked him. And Carson said, Bert, every guy likes you and girls want to go out with you. When does a boy become a man? And Bert thought, and he said, when his father says you are a man. That was actually very profound. Taken from ancient biblical rabbinic wisdom. Prove to your children what it means to become a man and a woman. Give them chores to do. Give them an allowance. Teach them the value of money. Teach them skills that can, they can use when they grow up, even when they get a job. There was an old saying amongst the rabbis, and it's, it's good. It says, he that does not teach his son a trade teaches him to be a thief. Protect your children from danger, from drugs, from the internet, from immorality. The Bible says provide for them. It actually says this, if any man does not provide for his children, he is worse than an unbeliever. And especially urge your children to believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Teach them how to become a Christian. I've only skimmed the surface on how to be a parent. And some of you might say, boy, for a bachelor, this guy's got a lot of common sense. Well, it's from the Bible. Weigh it from the word of God. We have some good handouts out in the lobby. Seek and you will find them for parents and for children. I'll also recommend a good book, couple of good books. John MacArthur, Successful Christian Parenting. I recommend it for every parent here. Some of you are already using this. Shepherding a Child's Heart. That's for little children, an age of opportunity for teenagers. I recommend all three of them. May the Lord bless every child and every parent in this church. I salute all of you. May God bless every parent and every child to know your prime directive and to do it by God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we pray for all the children in this church and the grandchildren. Help them to obey their parents. We pray for the parents that they would raise the children biblically. And if you were pleased, you would save the children. We pray for the mothers and the fathers. And Father, help us to obey you, our Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.